0: Last night I practiced my Jimmy Stewart impression a little bit for the Vertigo episode, and then I didn't use it at all. How did you forget? Or did you actively choose not to? No, it just didn't occur to me until it was too late. And I was like, ah. There were so many moments. There's so many moments where I could be, well, uh, uh, geez, I, I don't know. I just think that you were in a painting, but now now you're a woman standing at the, at the top of a tower. Uh, Mr. Potter. But there was another woman who fell off the tower who looked just like you. No, 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 no. Wait a minute, you're... You're not telling me that you're a murderer, are you? Because I've known murderers before, and murderers almost uniformly are not good people. You know what they do? They murder! It's unbelievable! I would love to watch Vertigo with Jimmy Stewart playing the same character from (laughs) It's a Wonderful Life. It's a Wonderful Life. Jimmy Stewart is one of those people where you're never actually doing an impersonation of Jimmy Stewart. You're doing an impersonation of someone else's impersonation of Jimmy Stewart. Oh, yeah. For sure. Because Jimmy Stewart is so much more muted than the Jimmy Stewart caricature. Yeah. He's actually like, you know, a good a actor. Good actor. <laughs> but it's so much more fun to be. Merry Christmas, y'all building alone. Amazing. One of these weeks, Jimmy Stewart's going to be a guest on our show. <laughs> oh, no. It's coming. we Will, stop digging up graves <laughs> to bring in corpses. You know why people are in graves? Because of murderers. <laughs> they put them all in their graves. <laughs> I, I used to be in Bedford Falls And everyone was alive And now they're all dead Does anyone actually die in that? No Well, yeah, his brother dies Because he's not there to save him When his brother goes into the ice at oh, the beginning. right Yeah oh, What a great movie It's a good one Alright, I think it's time for Heart of Podness Remember when I made you watch the Howard the Duck video game? <laughs> <laughs> what is this podcast? Why do we do it? Like, what? Why? There's a Twitter account called Duck of the Day, and they, as of yet, have not tweeted out pictures of Howard. Please tweet at them to get them to do it. It's hashtag Howard the Duck, hashtag Duck of the Day, hashtag We Love the Love, hashtag It's the Sound, It's the Feeling, hashtag Nice Skin, hashtag Fifi Fierce, hashtag Foot Forearm, hashtag Not Ghost in the Shell, hashtag I've Seen Puss in Boots. I think that's it. I think that's it. I don't know. That's your job. (laughs) If I've forgotten any other hashtags, tweet them at me. Hashtag 280 characters is a disaster (laughs) Alright, now for real It's time for Heart of Fondness I'm Mark and I'm gay And I'm Will and I'm a ginger And this is our fourth episode in a week So we're kind of losing it This is a podcast where we delve deep Into cinematic love stories To answer the age-old question Does Hollywood romance actually make any sense? And are these people actually dateable? Are they even likable? It doesn't matter if the romance is a main plot Or if it's a one-scene flirtation We'll dig in and see what's there and this week, we're on our third and final will pick of the March April cycle. So I wanted to change things up again. The classic March April cycle that you everyone bet. talks about. We went big on Avatar. We went old school franchisee on From Russia with Love. So I decided to go with a recent ish indie movie, Alexander Payne's 2004 Wine Country Road Trip Sideways. So did you know anything about this movie going in? Absolutely nothing. Not at all. Nothing. I hadn't even heard of it, to be honest. Okay. So I, like, was vaguely aware of it when it was out. I remember seeing the DVD in lots of places. It's got this green cover that really stands out on the shelf. Yeah. So i definitely seen that around. I knew Paul Giamatti was in it, and I knew it was about wine. Yeah. How old was I when this came out? I would have been 10. So you're right in the target audience for this movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. then. <laughs> so this movie about a depressed 40-year-old going to wine country really made right for me. I mean, that's the thing. This is the kind of road trip comedy that the whole family could enjoy. It was this and RV and Are We There Yet? It was the big (laughs) trilogy of road trip comedies, all of which are of equal quality. Yeah. You know, this predated Are We There Yet? by only one year. Remember RV? No. The Robin Williams family road trip comedy? Oh, kind of. Robin Williams had a weird period there. Oh my God. That was before Night at the Museum. So that was before he went out playing Theodore Roosevelt three times. <laughs> so, no, I had not seen this movie before, but I really liked it. Yeah. It was such a mid-2000s indie movie. Oh, yeah. In all the best ways. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of it. We're going to talk a lot about it. What were we I gonna say? enjoyed it. I don't know if I liked it as much as you. I had a really good time. I just kind of enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There was so much talk about wine. There is a lot of talk about wine. And according to an interview with Payne that I read, it's substantially reduced from the book. Oh, my God. This yeah. is based on a book. Yeah. Uh, it's actually based on the first book in the Sideways Trilogy. What else happens? So book two is called Vertical. Sideways, Vertical. Ugh. It's very clever. Um, they're not really like a continuous story. It's just the same characters. Okay. So in book two, it's about Miles and Jack and Miles' mom go on a road trip up to a wine. It's set a year later. They're going a road trip up to a wine festival in Oregon, and then they drive out to Wisconsin because Miles' mom, Phyllis, is going to be moving in with her cousin, I believe, in Sheboygan. But that one is also weird because it kind of establishes that the events of the previous book are a fictionalized version of Miles' life, and that that's the book that he winds up selling, and a movie gets adapted from it. So he's like living large, like feeling pretty good about life. He thinks he's in for a new Hollywood success. Yeah. And then the third book, which has a banana's name, it's called Sideways Three Chile, no punctuation. There's not a colon or anything. And it's stylized as the Arabic numeral three. So Sideways Three Chile. And in that one, it's set three years after Vertical. And Miles has not published another book. His Hollywood money has not panned out. So he's kind of down and out again. And a wine magazine pays for him to go and do a tour of some Chilean wineries and to write about it for the magazine. Those sound so weird. Yes, they sound very strange. Wow. Okay. That is so odd. And they came out recently. The second one came out in 2010. The third one came out in 2015. Oh, really? Yeah. Whereas the the first book came out in the 90s. Huh. I guess it would have had to come out after the movie because he essentially wrote the second one about the movie. Right. Exactly. So it's a weird situation. But the movie itself... Somebody sent the book to Payne when he was working on Election in the late 90s. Yeah. And he's like, I want to make this. And he had some other stuff that he was working on beforehand. But he wanted to lock in that he was doing this. And so he worked on the screenplay. And he and his usual producer, Michael London, they actually were really determined to keep a lot of control over it. So they paid for a budget to be drawn up. They paid for a casting director. And he wrote the script. So then when they were shopping it around to studios... They said, we want to make this movie. This is who we want to be in it. This is what we're going to have it cost. Like, this is the whole deal. So you're buying this package. Yeah. Which was a way of trying to keep a lot more control over it. And that's where then they sold it to Fox Searchlight. And I think that's kind of cool how they had this whole thing planned out. And that was a way of maintaining control over that movie. Yeah. And they really locked in the kinds of people they wanted. George Clooney actually lobbied for the Thomas Hayden Church part. Really? To which they went, nah. They wanted Thomas Hayden Church. Who is... Surprisingly good in this movie. My expectations were so low after E. Z. A. Right that like he could have done anything and I would have been impressed. And he was—he's actually good in this movie. But yeah, he is. And he—he he got an Oscar nomination for it. He was one of several award nominations for this movie. Actually, it premiered at TIFF in September two thousand four. It opened in October. It stayed pretty small in terms of release. It just in a few hundred theaters until Oscar nominations came out. Mm-hmm. And then when it was nominated for Best Picture in a very weird crop. The Best Picture nominees for 2004 yeah. are Million Dollar Baby, okay. which won, yeah. Sideways, Ray, the Ray Charles movie, yeah, The Aviator, okay, and Finding Neverland. Oh, that's a movie that got so, made. What a weird batch of movies. That's so weird. It's really, really strange. So then when it gets nominated for Best Picture, then of course it gets added to like a thousand more screens. <laughs> right. And that's where it starts doing a lot better, making a lot more money through the first weekend in March. So basically through Oscar season. And it made $78 million in total, which is really good for a movie yeah. like this. Yeah. What was the budget? Do you 16? Know? Oh, wow. Yeah, that's really good. So it good. did really well. Yeah. Nobody would have expected it to make this much money. And it won the Oscar for Adapted Screenplay. It was nominated for Best Picture, Best Director, Supporting Actor for Thomas Hayden Church, and Supporting Actress for Virginia Madsen as Maya. And at the same time, like it won the Golden Globe for Best Musical or Comedy over, and this is quite a, batch, a 2004 batch too, the Golden Globe nominees for Musical or Comedy that year. Sideways. Yeah. Which wins. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Is that a comedy? It's the Golden Globes. Anything's a comedy if you call it one. Uh, Ray. It's got music in it. <laughs> I guess you could call that a musical. Phantom of the Opera. Okay, actually a musical. And The Incredibles. Comedy, yeah. Yeah. But again, like kind yeah, of a weird batch. It is a very weird batch. I'm just really thrown off by Eternal Sunshine. Yeah, so they won the... Isn't that a movie about a, like, an economist with schizophrenia? I have not seen it. Maybe I'm thinking of the wrong movie, but... I don't know. I always makes it up with Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close, which is the 9-11 movie. Hold on. I'm going to Google it. While he does that, it won a bunch of other awards. It basically ran the table at the Indie Spirit Awards, which are the big awards for independent film. They won Best Film, Best Director. Paul Giamatti, Thomas Hayden Church, and Virginia Madsen all won Acting Awards, and they won Best Screenplay. And then at the SAG Award, they won Outstanding Performance of a Cast, which is kind of their version of Best Picture. So this movie was really well-received. Oh, I got this confused with A Beautiful Mind. This is the one that also doesn't sound like a comedy, but it is actively described as a drama on IMDb. Oh, well. But it has Jim Carrey, so it must be funny. There you go. I mean, that's the thing. The Martian's a comedy. (laughs) Yeah. Because you laugh twice. Get Out is also a comedy, clearly. Right, exactly. So this movie was received really well. Right. And my favorite thing about this movie that I learned was that they did studies on the wine industry after this movie yeah, came out. I read about this. And they found that sales of Pinot Noir increased in a statistically significant way after this movie came out. Also, just sales of wines in the San Ynez Valley increased and yeah. tourism to that region. But Pinot Noir sales increased and Merlot sales noticeably <laughs> decreased <laughs> because this movie does not like Merlot. Which is so dumb because it's supposed to it's like in the movie it's not supposed to be that merlots are bad, I feel like it's more supposed to be that he is so so stuck, stuck in, in his, his ways. ways, right he's so locked in that I am not drinking any fucking merlot right that's so dumb. I do think the bringing more attention to that region makes sense because. When the movie started, I assumed they were driving to Napa. Yeah, me too. Because that's... The, I was like, that is a long drive. Because that's obviously the only wine country in the world. Right, of course. If people say wine country, they mean Napa. But no, it was another place that apparently also has good wine. Yeah, fancy that. Who knew? Good for you, San Andreas Valley. Yeah. So, all right, let's talk about this movie. Yeah. Uh, to get into our points, the movie, it's about Paul Giamatti. Right. Who plays Miles. And Thomas Hayden Church, who plays Jack, going on a road trip to wine country... In the San Ynez Valley. And they're going for a week-long wine-slash-golf trip in the run-up to Jack's wedding. Miles is a middle school English teacher, wannabe author, and professional sad sack. <laughs> he leads a sad life. Yeah. And Jack is a semi-successful actor, really more washed up. He was on a popular TV show like 15 years ago. Yeah. And now he does was commercials. Like 11 years ago, and now he's a commercial voiceover artist. Right. So he gets recognized for work that he did a long time ago. Yeah. Enough to be like making it, but... Not like a celebrity by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, he's not hurting, but he's not a success. Right. So that's sort of where this movie takes off. And one of the things I like about it, this movie, is the fact that nobody's a huge success. But it doesn't seem like they're huge failures except like as people. So they just get to occupy this weird space of semi-successful mediocrity. Miles actively sees himself as a failure, but I don't think anyone else does. Right. And that's one of the things that I think runs through a lot of these Alexander Payne movies Is honestly like white male mediocrity. Right. These people who are living an okay life but feel entitled to something much more than that. And then the movie spends its time tearing them down and like kind of kicking them for that arrogance. Right. It's their insistence of seeing themselves as they should be at the center of the story. So the same thing is true of Matthew Broderick's teacher character in Election, of Matt Damon in Downsizing, although one of the problems with that movie is that he then gets to be the hero in the movie. I can't, I saw The Descendants, but I just don't remember that much about it. Like, I can't, it's about a white man. Clooney. Yeah. I have not seen it though. So I, I cannot remember where it. it fits into my pain thesis. But yeah. The other thing I like about him a lot is that I think he's really good at writing very naturalistic dialogue, which is something that I appreciate. Yeah, I agree with that. So, we've got our characters. We've got Jack. We've got Miles. We're going to be tracking some romantic stuff for both of them over the course of the movie. Regrettably, nothing between them, which would have been an interesting twist. Yeah, would have been more exciting than some of the scenes in the movie. Yes. But, so, why don't we start off in point number one. They're going to be driving up to the San Inez Valley for this trip. So, Miles goes to pick up Jack. Uh, so, Miles lives in Santa Barbara. Mm-hmm. No, San Diego. San Diego. Jack lives in L.A. He's supposed to be at Jack's house at noon. He leaves his apartment in at, San noon, Diego, at noon in San Diego. So he's probably conservatively two hours late, probably closer to three. Yes. And it starts with him being late because he has to move his car because he parked in the wrong spot and construction crews are supposed to be there. And it just shows that. And that's when he gets woken up. And that's how he gets woken up. So this is just showing like, wow, this guy needs... To get his life together. Yeah, exactly. It starts off very strong in that regard, and it's very apparent. And so then he picks up Jack, and they get on the road after one of Jack's fiance's friends tells him that fiction is a waste of time. (laughs) No, it's his soon-to-be father-in-law. Oh, right, yes. I don't know if that's actually Jack's house. I think it might be... Oh, the in-laws? The in-laws' house. Okay. Because he... That would make more sense. Yeah, because I think Jack says he wants to get involved in their business. Mm -hmm. So I think he's successful, and that big house actually belongs to Jack's, like, Christine? Is that her name? Yeah, Christine. Christine's parents. Okay, that makes sense. So Miles goes and picks him up, and he says that fiction is a waste of time, which Mark did not enjoy. No, that's dumb. But then they get on the road, and they're driving north. And Miles pulls off the highway because he says, Oh, you know, we're driving past. I ought to say hi to my mom. Uh, don't forget that the first thing they do is open a bottle of champagne. Oh, that's right. They bust out driving. their champagne while driving up the freeway. Also, on the way to Jack's house, Miles is doing a crossword while driving. <laughs> Which that I kind of enjoyed. Not that I would do it, but I thought it was funny. Like He's driving really slowly yeah. on the freeway doing his crossword puzzle. Yeah, distracted driving was not invented with texting is what I learned in this movie. Oh no. So then they drive up and he pulls off because he's saying, hey, you know, we should go say hi to my mom. It's her birthday tomorrow. So I should say hi to her since I'm going past. And Jack's kind of annoyed because he wants to get up. He wants to get on with the trip. But Miles is like, no, we'll just be there for a couple of minutes. It'll be fine. Before you know it, they're having dinner. It's a whole deal. Miles' mom is like saying, oh, yeah, and we're going to hang out with the whole family tomorrow. Jack is clearly pissed off. Yeah. But then while dinner is going on, Miles goes into the house and he steals $1,000 from a roll of, about $1,000 from a roll of bills in his mom's underwear drawer. It's so skeevy. Yeah, it's really skeevy. And it's also an early sign of the level of Miles' patheticness. Yeah. This movie does not want you to like Miles. No, it doesn't. He is the lead character, but you are not supposed to like him. Right. And it's also hit when he gets back and his mom asks him how he's doing and asks if he needs money, which kind of suggests that she would help him out if he asked for it. But instead, he doesn't. He just steals from her. Yeah, it's really upsetting. Also, in the scene where they're leaving, his mom is watching Codename Kids Next Door on the TV. (laughs) Right. Which is such a throwback. Because then after saying that they were going to hang out with the family the next day, instead they sneak out in the morning while she's still asleep. Yeah, because they get a little drunk off of wine. It is worth noting, this is where we sort of get it locked in that Miles is divorced. There's a photo of his wedding on his mom's dresser. And then later in the conversation when he goes back, his mom mentions that he's been divorced from Victoria for about two years. And she's saying he should get back with her. And he's saying, like, no, I'm not going to do that. But it's clear that he's just uncomfortable with the whole situation. Yeah. But that woman comes back. Yes, she does. Surprisingly enough, a man in his 40s who's divorced has some hangups about his ex-wife. Yeah, believe it or not. Who could have seen that coming? Yeah, so they get back on the road. They're driving up. Jack actually asks Miles if he's making a mistake getting married. And Miles equivocates. He's kind of like, yeah, you waited for a reason and you got engaged for a reason, so... Yeah? He doesn't really give him an answer, which is in itself awkward. And I think it's just an indicator of Miles' own neuroticism about it, but also like... It it makes sense for a man who's so torn up about his... He's torn up about his own divorce. Right. And so he's having having trouble with that. But at the same time, Jack has been really leaning into him like, this is going to be a fun time. It's going to be great. He's saying, my best man gift to you, I'm going to get you laid this week. Right. I'm going to work. That's going to happen, which is also something that Jack would be doing for his friend besides reading his book, because it's very clear early on when they get in the car that Miles has this book that he's trying to get published, and Jack has clearly not read it. And at first, you're annoyed. There are many things about Jack that I dislike. This is not one of them. This is not one of them. At first, you're like, Jack, what the heck? Read your friend's book. You're clearly best friend's. And the more you find out about this book, the more it's clear that you should not read this book. It sounds so bad. It's like a thousand pages. Yeah. So to give Jack a test, Miles asked what he thought of the new ending of the new version. And he says, oh, I thought it made some improvement. And Miles says, uh, there is no new ending. Basically from page 750 on, it's all the same. Which, good God, what is this book? You don't get to publish your first novel at a thousand pages. Oh my God. Gosh. No one is allowed to do that. No one's going to read it. Only one person ever reads this book. Well, his agent reads it, I guess. I wouldn't be surprised if she doesn't. (laughs) So they get up there, and that takes us really to point number two. I want to bring up a question that comes up in this scene. Why is it that in movies... In TV, pop culture, society teaches us that marriage is a bad thing and that when you get married, your life will get worse. I don't know. It's very strange. It's so weird. I mean, it's in a lot of ways, that's the notion behind those traditional bachelor party. Right. It's like the idea is like, oh, this is your last chance of freedom. You won't be happy after. But if that's the case, why is the anyone don't getting get married? married? If you feel like your life is going to significantly get worse after your wedding, why are you doing you it? You shouldn't be. Ugh. It drives me crazy. But it's clear that Jack certainly thinks that. Yeah. Jack thinks like, all right, I'm getting married. I think it's the right move. I'm not sure if it's the right move. But certainly, this is my last chance to have fun. Right. He's like, this last week is the only time we'll ever have fun again. Right. And so he's determined to make the most of it. Which right. Which we're going to see a lot of when we get to point number two, which is where they arrive in the valley and they go to... Miles' favorite restaurant, The Hitching Post. A real restaurant. Is it really? Yeah. I think it got a lot of business after this movie. I will bet it did. So they go to The Hitching Post and while they're there, Jack sees a waitress and says, like, Miles should get with her. And Miles goes, oh yeah, that's Maya. I know her. I come up here all the time. And he says that, no, she's married. She wears a wedding ring and Jack's kind of waving it off. And then Maya comes over and is definitely flirting with him. Yeah. She's saying like, oh, you know, when would you guys get in town? How are things going? Just definitely flirting it. Miles points out that it could be for tips. Which, yeah. Valid. Valid. Because he still thinks she's married. So right. So at this point, that's a pretty fair... It's a valid assessment. He's like, assessment. She's, she's married. She's flirting. She's doing it for tips. He's not criticizing yeah. her for it. He's just saying he's not going to think she's into him either. Yeah. But then that night, they're at the bar at the hitching post. And Maya comes out and joins them. And Jack points out she's not wearing a ring anymore. After earlier telling a story about how he knew someone who wore a fake engagement ring... To avoid people, to avoid getting hit on as a server, right? And so Jack points that out. Maya comes out. She's asking how things are going. She asks about his book. She knows he's been writing a book. Yeah. And Jack says, "Oh, it's getting published," which is far from true. Yeah, it is. I think the first person that read it passed it on to the second person in the chain once. Yeah. And so Jack tells everyone that it's getting published. Well, Miles is actually waiting for word from his agent because there is a publisher that's considering it. Yeah. And so he's waiting for word from his agent this whole week. But instead of that being the news, Jack is always spinning it as his book is being published. Like, that's something you can say to Miles to be a supportive friend. But telling other people is a jerk move. I think part of it is that from Jack's perspective, he's like, look, we're up here for a week. Like, what does it matter what we tell these people? That too. That's a factor as But well. he also told his... Soon-to-be in-laws. Which, again, he's trying to make Miles feel good. He's trying to back Miles right. up. It makes sense, but In it's coming. In his weird Jack yeah. way, he's trying to be a good friend, but, but he, he does not know how. He doesn't think about the long-term consequences of a lie like this, which really is Jack's central character flaw, is that he doesn't think about the long-term consequences of lying to people. Or of anything. But especially, I think, the central one for him is deception. Right. And that's his real problem. All of his issues, all the issues he creates come from that central character flaw. Yeah. And Miles always attributes that to the fact that like he's an actor. He lies for a living. But you kind of get the impression that it's probably bigger than that. (laughs) Yeah, he's kind of just a terrible guy. Right. So they've met Maya. And while they're at the bar, she asks what they're up to. Clearly being like, we should hang out. Yeah. Like, are you guys going out after this? And sad sack Giamatti goes, oh, yeah, we're, uh, we're going back to the hotel to get some rest. We're, uh, we're going to go to sleep. And and Maya looks really upset. She's like, yeah, I, I guess it's a long drive. So I'll, I'll see you around, I guess. And she's definitely upset. Yeah. This woman clearly likes Miles. She clearly likes Miles. Which, you know, Miles should jump on that. I Yeah. Because Miles is not an easy guy to like. He's a huge sad sack. He's a big wine snob. Which becomes very apparent in the next scene. Oh boy. Which we'll be talking he's about a, soon. He's a big wine snob. But she works in wine, too. So maybe they can bond over that. Yeah, at this point, we don't really see it. But she doesn't just work in wine. She is equally into as into right. wine. As we him, find out about that which more we as find things out go later, Yeah, I think with Miles in particular in wine, I was reminded of a scene in The Big Sick where Kumail and Emily are at a party. And Emily starts talking a lot about the wine. And Kumail asks her, how do you know so much about wine? I thought wine? about this, too. Right. And she says... Well, first, that's when she mentions that she was married previously. Right. But what she says is, she says, I was depressed in my marriage. And to deal with my depression, I turned to alcohol. And I discovered that a way to cover up being an alcoholic is to know a lot about wine. Because then it looks like you're just into wine. It doesn't look as much like you're an alcoholic. Right. And I thought a lot about that with Miles, who is clearly medicating his depression with alcoholism. Right. But the way that he... two antidepressants. Right. But the way that he covers that up is by knowing a lot about wine. And I don't think he does it that way. Whereas like Emily in The Big Sick kind of explicitly learns a lot about wine so that she can cover that. Right. Whereas Miles definitely doesn't think about it that way. No. He thinks about it being really into wine and that's kind of the only thing that matters to him besides his book but what it's doing is it makes him not deal with the fact that he's an alcoholic right in his mind he's dependent on wine and he's not addressing the fact that he's dependent on alcohol right so the next day they're in the diner they're eating breakfast and jack declares that he's not just here to get miles laid he intends to get himself (laughs) laid at least one more time and that he's going to do it no matter how grumpy miles is So what he's saying is like, Miles, you can be a grump. You can have no fun this week, but I'm going to get laid. Don't get in my way. And the other thing that I wrote in this is that the seats in the diner that they're sitting on look like coiled poop. I didn't notice that at all. They're in a booth, and it's this brown cushion that's like wavy lumps, and it looks like turds. Ew. Also, the whole scene. What if you were sitting on a giant chair of poop? That's what Jack deserves. Yeah, but you'd just be like kind of sinking in it, and it would be sticky. Ew. Why are you talking about this? And you'd get up and it would be stuck to the back of your clothes. Why are you talking about this? I don't know. It just occurred to me. No one needs this image. It just occurred to me. Yeah. So this is the scene where you see the true depths of Jack's awfulness. Because I think that for some people, monogamy might not be the thing. And I think, like, I don't care. But you're not allowed to single-handedly decide that. (laughs) So in this situation, this is, like, my issue with cheating is it's... I don't care if people aren't monogamous, but I hate cheating. Because it's such a jerk move that disrespects the other person. It's, again, a reflection of Jack's sense that deception doesn't matter because he doesn't think about consequences. Right. It's what do I want? And you say or you do whatever it takes. Yeah. So it's really just Jack clearly has no respect for Christine. Yes. And that's pretty clear. Even at the end, in my opinion, when you're supposed to see him like trying to redeem himself, I still don't think he has any respect for his soon-to-be wife. Oh, no, he definitely doesn't. And it's so... It's just this scene in particular shows just the true depths of how gross of a person he is. Whereas Miles is annoying. Jack is terrible. Miles isn't a bad person. He has serious depression that he's not able to deal with. And also some really annoying qualities. Yes. Independent of that. Yes. Fair. So Miles, like, you don't like him when you're watching this movie, but you don't root against him. Mm -hmm. But boy, do you root against Jack. Jack is terrible, which kind of takes us along. So the same day... They go to this wine-making thing, wine tasting. It's a montage. It's kind of cleverly done where we got these different boxes sliding around the screen yeah. with different parts of the wine production process. We see it growing. We see it being harvested, picked, mashed. And it ends with them in a tasting where Sandra Oh, who plays Stephanie, is pouring them Chardonnay. Uh, Miles, I like this description. He says that it's hollow, flabby, and overripe, which is, I think, how I will be described one day. <laughs> Honestly, it's how you could describe Paul de Yamati. In- <laughs> Fair. <laughs> Or at least Miles. Yeah, definitely. Um, Jack immediately starts flirting with Stephanie. Yeah. Where he asks if she's local, yes. If she knows Maya, yes. Which is kind of, that's a fun quote. Like that is a coincidence where I'd be like, hey, that's kind of cool. Yeah, that is kind of cool. And so he then starts like going full in flirting with her and she's receptive to it. And so Jack and Stephanie organize a thing where all four of them go out together. Yeah, they set up a double date. And they go out to a restaurant. And as they're getting ready to go, that's when Jack tells Miles that Miles' ex-wife, Victoria, has gotten remarried, and she and her new husband will be at Jack's wedding. Right. He says it as a way, like, it's time to really move on. Like, go for Maya. We're going on a date with this girl. You and Victoria are not getting back together. Right. Um, And Miles gets really mad. He wants to know why he wasn't told. And Jack's answer, which I think is a valid one, is he was worried that Miles wouldn't go on the trip if he found out about that, that he would stay home and be depressed and be alone. And he's saying, it's better for you to be out here on this trip. Right. Which again is, I think, there are seeds of Jack caring about his friend. He doesn't know how to do it properly. Jack does care about Miles, but he doesn't care about him more than he cares about himself. Yes, that's a good way to put it. So he's really upset. At one point, Jack says, we're here to party. Like, stop being so depressed. But it's really weird, because in my mind, I don't think of going to wine country as partying. Well, (laughs) Miles doesn't either. Yeah, it's just so weird, Jack's conception of this week, which... You hear it described, you're like, you're going wine tasting. They're going to play golf, like this very low-key, really relaxing week. But in Jack's mind, he's like, we're going to rage. We're going to party. We're going to flirt with some hotties. Also, the fact that he still says hotties and he's clearly like middle-aged is another sign of how gross he is. Totally. And so they're at dinner and Jack is immediately like kind of handsy with Stephanie. He's very familiar. Yeah. Meanwhile, Miles... Who's just found out about this with Victoria? He's just drinking and sleep, slipping deeper and deeper into this funk. And finally, he gets up and he goes to a payphone and he calls Victoria. And he tells her that he's not going to go to the wedding. Like, she should just go and have a good time. It's very grumpy and putting things on her. Yeah, it's gross. And she tells him not to call her when he's drunk again fair. Valid. I mean, she's moved on with her life. Yeah. Jack naturally gets pissed at him for calling. And this is where he mentions that Miles didn't like being married to Victoria. He mentions that he had an affair with this woman, Brenda, who we never see, which is again, one of the things I like about this movie. It doesn't need to show us every little thing. Right. Like a lesser movie would have flashed back to him with Brenda. Or fleshed it out even a little bit more. But it's not a thing that we need. No. We don't need to know anything about it. Just Okay, it happened, whatever. And that's, I think, one of the strengths of this script is that it's fine just mentioning something, mentioning someone, and moving on with it. At that point, Stephanie comes back from the bathroom and invites everybody back to her place. And that's where Jack and Stephanie immediately get to it. Yeah, very, very quickly. Very, they go They go straight to Bone Town. And meanwhile, Miles and Maya are flirting over wine. Yeah, they're talking about different wines. That they have... It's kind of cute. Like, it's really annoying to listen to, but they both clearly are... They're into it. They're both really into both wine. into it. He finds out here that she is studying horticulture. Right. And then he's immediately much more into her, because he realizes that she's somebody who is really engaged with this. Really engaged, and also... Because he's kind of like, he's a a snob, snob, isn't just a waitress. Right. So this is where he's like, oh, wait, you're not just some waitress who knows about wine. You're someone who knows about wine that happens to be a waitress. Right. He starts explaining his novel to her, which is called The Day After Yesterday. Oh, my God. It sounds so bad. And her response is, oh, oh, today. (laughs) Yeah. He's like, well, yeah, the day after yesterday is today. (laughs) The novel sounds so exhausting. It sounds so bad. You also get the classic, like, awkward silence while you hear sex noises in the background. Yeah, so they keep moving around the house to try to get away from the noise. Yeah, très classique. He gives this whole speech about why he loves Pinot. That's clearly just about him. Oh, yeah. I My note just says, all the wine stuff is so on the nose. It's very sensitive. It needs to be taken care of. Other wines are, are stronger. They're sturdier stuff. It's so bad. Yeah. Um, also, one funny thing in the scene... I don't know if you noticed, he brought his wine to the bathroom with him. Yes. Which is so gross. It is. Especially if you're in a situation where, like... You could just leave it. You could just leave it. You're at someone's house. And he goes to the bathroom after she, like, clearly tries to be like, okay, I'm into this. Leans in. Leans in. And then he does nothing. And then he goes to the bathroom, comes back, kisses her, and she's like, "Mm, I should go. Which is so painful. It's really uncomfortable. They're both driving away. He gets out. Hands her the novel. Because she had said she would read it. He's like, hey, if you still want to read it, I've got my novel. She's like, yeah, sure. He pulls out a box and he hands it to her. And then he's like, all right, here you go. And then he pulls out a second, <laughs> second box. Oh, yes. That's
1: this thing is the... so long. That's
0: one of my favorite jokes. It's the best, the best joke movie. in the movie. It's no- Yeah, it's the best one. This novel. Nobody should read this book. Thank God it's not published. Oh, my gosh. Uh, she kisses him on the cheek. And that takes it to point number three. Which is their sort of wine country romances. The parallel loves. Which is basically Jack and Stephanie having lots of sex. Yeah. And Jack also immediately inserting himself into Stephanie's life. Completely. Like he meets her kid and her mom. He says, I love you on the second date. This is wild. It's insane. All the while his fiance is trying to call him constantly because she hasn't heard from him in In days. days. And he's ignoring. And when he does actually get in touch with her, he is very brusque and just gets off the phone to spend more time with Stephanie who rides around on a moped with no helmet no she wears a helmet oh she wears a helmet yeah okay like, he, he definitely just doesn't. does not yeah meanwhile miles and Maya are back in the groove of things after the awkwardness of that first time like right they all go on to a book talk about Pino which is kind of funny <laughs> all of oh, them yeah. are going to this one particular event and then they all go bowling and miles and Maya with- go back Stephanie's daughter. With Stephanie's daughter. daughter. And mom. Uh, Yep. At which point, Stephanie is referring to Jack with her kid as Uncle Jack. It's so uncomfortable. It's so weird. Stephanie's a weird person. Yeah, Stephanie's weird too. Jack is talking about delaying the wedding because he's so in love with Stephanie, a woman he met two days ago. He's talking about potentially moving up there. He's like, I'd still be close enough that I could go back to LA for auditions if I needed to, if there was something really interesting. He's like, Miles, buy buy a winery with me. Yeah, he's like ready to throw out his life, which is... There's this weird crisis element to it, but it's also oh, just weird. It's really weird. My note just says, "Wow, what a midlife crisis!" Yeah, like it is a full-on midlife crisis. Weird, over the top, even more than Splash. Yeah. Um, Miles and Maya are doing great. They have sex. They are just like hanging around town, checking out different stuff. They're a feeling much more really good. Normal. It's a normal progress, like normal relationship. relationship. Maya's also divorced. We find out. So Miles was like, she's married. And we find out she got divorced a year ago, so it makes sense why he thought that, but now she's not. Right, exactly. But then they're hanging out, they're having a picnic, and she's mentioning something on Saturday. Like, oh, uh, why don't you just spend Friday night here too? And then we can hang out on Saturday. And Miles, he's not paying attention. He's like, oh, that's no good. Saturday's, no, Friday night's the rehearsal dinner. And Miles Ma- is like, like, rehearsal dinner for what? Wait, who's getting, she's not suspicious at first. She's just like, oh, who's getting married? And he's like, like you, can- you didn't tell us this. He's like, whoops. Oh boy, the bad news is broken. Yeah, and Maya is livid because Miles hadn't told her and because of all the stuff that Jack has been saying to Stephanie. Right, Stephanie say, basically Jack telling Stephanie that he wants to be with her forever and live with her. And like buy a house. And buy a house and all that. Yeah, so Maya is really mad for Stephanie and also because Miles didn't tell her this. Because in her point of view, like, Miles is party to this lie. Right. Which he is. Yeah. So she just leaves. When Miles and Jack get back, Stephanie is there and beats him up. A whole, like... Boy, does she. Yeah, she uses her purse. She, like, shoves him onto the ground, takes her bag, and just wailing on his face. Yeah. And then the next scene, you see he's bloody. He actually has damage, which is a nice touch, because I feel like in a lot of movies with a beating like that, the person emerges like I imagined he would just emerge like unscathed but in this case it showed like no she was doing real damage they had to go to the doctor and it is a plot point yeah this is actually the first part of our point number four right which is everything sort of falling apart Miles is now no longer with Maya he is more depressed again and Jack is battered right and what I love about Jack is that his comment to Miles when they get out is what does it look like happened and Miles goes looks like you were in a car crash (laughs) Which comes back. It comes back later. Before they're done, they go to another restaurant. Jack flirts with another waitress to get laid. We just see him go off with the waitress. Right. And then he arrives back at the hotel completely naked. Right. Because what happened is the waitress was married and her husband came home. And so Jack had to run away naked, like three miles. Yeah, he ran through a corn or a vineyard. <laughs> he ran through an ostrich farm. An ostrich farm. Why are there ostriches? He got attacked by ostriches. I know. I mean, that's the kind of like weirdo thing that someone in just beyond L.A. would have. Oh, I'm sure there are ostrich farms. I just don't understand why. I mean, you can eat ostrich. Yeah. One of the at the hitching post at one point, Maya recommends oh, yeah. an ostrich steak. It's so weird. It must be a regional thing. Maybe. Ostriches are such weird birds. They're so mean. But yeah. So he runs back. He's fully naked. He was having sex with the waitress when the husband walked in. Yeah. Um. So he puts on like a towel and stuff. And then he realizes... His wallet's not there. And his wallet has the wedding ring. Yeah. So the his wallet has two uh, custom-made irreplaceable wedding rings in it. And he's like, Christine would kill me if I didn't have these wedding rings. Right. So they have to... And Miles is just like, well, too bad. You tell her you got robbed. It's a thing that happens. Yeah. Uh, and he's like, at this point, Jack is crying (laughs) and Jack starts breaking. He's like, I can't lose Christine. And this is the point where it's supposed to be like, I guess an attempt at a shallow attempt at humanizing, but you know, I don't think it's humanizing. I think we're supposed to get that. Like Jack is so pathetic. Yeah. That's kind of, that's more. Jack has a sense that he's really cool and that he leads this great life. Like he's happy to do the thing with the waitress at the restaurant where he's like, you ever watched this show back in the day and she recognizes him and he thinks that's really cool. Right. But he's not this really cool person. He's actually a really pathetic human being. Yeah, he's gross. And I think this is a moment where he's naked and crying as his life falls apart around him. That we're supposed to realize, oh, this dude who thought he was cool. And again, it gets to that white male mediocrity idea. is actually really pathetic. Yeah. It's a good scene. Yeah, it's great. But then he convinces Miles to go and to drive to the house to drive to the house and go get his wallet. So Miles has to sneak into the house. He goes in through the back door. He's crawling around on the floor. Yeah, and it the he finds out he figures out the wallet is in the room, like in the the bedroom. The bedroom where we learned that this waitress did this on purpose because it's like a, a cuckolding thing. Yeah, the couple is into cuckolding. So they set it up. They're having sex. Yeah, they're having sex while screaming like, oh, you walked in on me. (laughs) And it's just like... And the dude chases Miles out of the house. Yeah, and then the dude chases Miles out of the house. We got some full frontal male nudity in this movie. Yeah, some very unsettling. Here's my thing with full frontal male nudity. There should be more of it in movies. I'm not a person who needs full frontal nudity in my movies. I think it rarely adds to the movie. Yeah. But if we're going to have full frontal nudity... It should be equal. Yeah. It should be equal opportunity nudity. Right. I think we could do with less than we get, but if we're gonna have it, yeah. there should be more there should be more dicks in our movies. <laughs> it was kind of funny in this one. Yeah. It's played for last because it's this dude, it's not and it's not played for last because the guy is kind of big. It's played for last because he's thrown off and it's like kind of shuffling out the street. Right. And he's mad because they're he's trying to get a wallet that's essentially stolen. Right. Back. So it's pretty funny. Yeah. And after that that's kind of it they drive back to LA yeah for the wedding before they get get back back, (laughs) Jack says hey why don't you pull over I'll drive for a while like I want to drive and Miles is sure whatever so they pull over near this tree (laughs) and Jack says Miles put on your seatbelt so Miles puts on his seatbelt and then Jack drives straight into a tree (laughs) and Miles is of course furious what are you doing to my car and Jack's like you said it looked like a car accident (laughs) Uh, and, and then they and look. He says I'll pay for he it. He says I'll pay for it. But they get out and they look at the car and say, huh. Oh, doesn't really look bad enough. So they find a cinder block, put it on the gas, point it at the tree, but not well enough at the tree. So the car just goes careening off into the field. It goes straight into a ravine. It goes into a ditch. It's so funny. So that's great. They head back to LA. And it takes them until like right pulling into the driveway to realize why is Jack hurt and Miles not. Yeah. And Jack says, You are wearing your seatbelt. Oh my god. L o L. That's great. So to sum up, where we stand relationships wise before we go to point five. These two men have drunk approximately a hundred gallons of wine apiece over the course of this week. Jack has slept with two women and gotten beat up by one and almost beaten up by a like by the as husband a one. of the second one. Yeah. Miles has had a normal relationship that ended in a lot like uh, the revealing of a lie in a pretty normal way. Yep. Um, but he is still sad. And alone. Miles is in a normal movie about an alcoholic. Jack is in something bananas. Yeah, two very different movies going on. Right, but that's where we're at now. Which brings us to point number five: the wedding. Jack gets married to Christine. Yeah, it happens. Oh boy. Uh, full Armenian service. Yes. For some reason, it's a pretty big plot point that she's Armenian. It yeah. comes up multiple times. He mentions that her family was wary because he wasn't Armenian. Yeah. And so he didn't want to do anything else too crazy because he's already, like, just on... They're just on board with him. Right. Um, Victoria's at the wedding. Miles sees her again, meets the husband, finds out she's pregnant, which upsets him more. It, like, they have a pretty decent conversation. It's a nice conversation. It's fine until she reveals she's pregnant. Because he they talk about how they don't have kids earlier. And that kind of puts him into a tailspin. Like, you see that he's getting depressed again. Right. And after the wedding, we do see that, too, where... He's just kind of like going back to his house. He's being his morose self. Yeah. He goes to a fast food restaurant just getting food and he's got a styrofoam cup that's supposed to be for soda, but he's pouring wine into it. Uh, his fanciest wine. It's like a 1961 fancy wine. It's the one that he had talked about to Maya right. on the night at Stephanie's house. And he was saying he bought it and it was originally supposed to be for his 10th wedding anniversary. But now he just has this bottle and he's, he feels like got to save it for a special occasion. Don't know what it is. And Maya is, is like, engaged with this. She's saying, hey, it's this really nice wine. Whenever you drink it, that's a special occasion. Right. But where he winds up drinking it is definitely not. He's drinking it alone in this fast food joint, pouring it into a styrofoam cup. It's super pathetic. Oh, yeah. Professional sad sack, Miles. Yeah. And he gets home, and that's when he discovers that Maya has left him a voicemail. It, like, a very sweet one. A very nice one. She's saying she got his letters... But she didn't want to respond until she had finished reading his book. Because Maya read his book! Jesus Christ, Maya, why? She read his thousand-page book! Maya, why? Maya is too good a person. Maya is too good a person. She's an odd bird. Honestly, this is about to take points off of the, like, <laughs> believability <scale laughs> Because she read the book. Because she read the book. Oh, man. So she finished the book, and he then drives up to her place, knocks on the door. She opens the door. He goes inside. End good of movie. Which is a nice ending. It is. Jack gets too nice of an ending. Uh, we can talk about that <laughs> when we talk I mean, about how we think sense. things will go down yeah. the road. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I forgot about that part. Yeah. I'm a fan of this movie. I Yeah. Talk, thinking about it again, I realized I enjoyed it more than I thought at right. the time. And, of course, the central issue. We were watching this with friend of the show, our roommate, Claire. Yeah. Who came in about 45 minutes in, and every 15 minutes or so would say, is it okay that I don't like any of them? And we're all like, yeah, that's the point. Yeah. <laughs> They're all terrible. <laughs> She's struggling with that concept a little bit. Yeah. But w- w- in terms of the movie itself, what do you think? These romantic relationships. We've got Maya and Miles. We've got Jack and Stephanie. Are they believable? Miles and Maya is probably one of the most believable we've talked about in I, a while. I agree. I think it's really well done. Um, I mean, granted, we haven't set a high bar with the past few movies. I'm trying to think of our last normal. Um, I'm sorry. Sweet Home <laughs> Alabama was not good enough for you? What was our last, actually? I guess it was the Oscars. No, we've had a, a highly ranked one since then. We did. So we did Avatar, Sweet Home Alabama. Shrek. Shrek. Oh, Shrek. Was Shrek it? I think we Shre- rated Shrek pretty decently high. Okay, yeah. Um. But yeah, so in terms of but like normal grown-up movie relationships. Miles and is Maya is really Miles good. Miles and Maya is good. Jack and Stephanie, I don't buy as much. No, it just it's, happens too it's fast. It's too fast, right. It's too, like... If that one had taken place over a month, I would have bought it. Yeah. Which would still be crazy fast for real life but i would believe that some people do that or if like if it had just been jack and stephanie going at it that passionately that fast but what as soon as they introduced the fact that her daughter was calling him uncle jack that's and the when moving was, and, all and all that the mo- that's when i was just like even the moving him talking about it would make more sense if there wasn't a kid true like that's what really makes it like m- this wouldn't happen because Most people would be either thrown off by the kid, the kid wouldn't accept someone that fast, or the parent would be a little more cautious. So where would you rank this movie? The movie or both relationships? I think we have to rank the whole movie. Okay. Average, I'd say a movie's probably six. I was going to say seven. Okay. Because definitely Jack and Stephanie drags it down. Yeah. But Miles and Maya, I buy. Right. So I think I have Jack and... It's definitely dragging it down further. Okay. I'm going to stick with a seven. Okay. Yeah. Six and a half. Okay. Yeah, I can work with that. Yeah. All right. Uh, what about Miles and Maya? Do you think they are dateable? No. No, of course not. Neither of them. No. Maya is the most normal person in the movie, and she's still not dateable. She's kind of an odd bird. And she she's willing wine. to date Miles, l- which is a problem in right. itself. She likes wine too much. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't be able to deal with that. We drank wine while watching this movie. Yeah. Not good wine. I couldn't tell you anything about it. It was a Malbec okay. from Argentina. It was wine in a bottle, and then I drank it out of a whiskey glass because we were out of wine glasses. Yep. Um. So Jack and Stephanie dateable? Oh no, of God, course no. not. Of them. <laughs> More, no. If you had to date one person in the movie, who would it be? There are no good options. If I had to, choose. you have to date somebody in this movie. The problem is, even the side characters, like Christine's dad, said he thinks fiction is dumb, so he's out. Oh yeah, totally. Um, maybe the bartender at the hitching post. Oh, he's cool. That guy. He's a nice guy and he cares about, My- he doesn't like care about Miles, he's not friends, but he looks out for people right. who go there. Yeah. Like when Miles gets really drunk, he's checking in on him like, hey, are you going to be okay? And it seems like it's more than just a bartender doing his job. It seems like he cares that he this guy cares. is okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. Uh, I thought Victoria seems nice. Yeah. Victoria seems normal. Yeah. Fine. She seems like a she's functional married, human she's being. She's married and pregnant, so neither of which are, uh. go-tos for me. No, but I have to date somebody in this movie. I don't have a lot of options. Yeah, that's true. Um, Do you think Miles and Maya would stay together? I think it could be. It could either go well or terribly. I think it'll go terribly. But I think it'll go terribly. I think they've got a solid few years in them. Yeah. But nothing longer than that. This is a relationship that is going to be helped by inertia. Yeah. But ultimately, that's not really good help. No. Jack and Christine... Uh, no. (laughs) No. (laughs) They are going to last a very short time. Yeah. But it's going to be bad for Jack's plans to get involved in that real estate business. It's going to be real bad. It's going to be ugly. All right. I think that does it. Yeah. So next week, we're going to be doing the last Mark movie of this cycle. I have never seen it. I cannot believe we're doing it. We have to do it, Will. Oh, man. We are a podcast about love. We love the love. We love the love. How can we not discuss the classic tale of love between a woman... And a B. That's right, we're doing B-Movie! I didn't realize that title was a pun until today. Really? Yeah, it yeah. never occurred to me. Nope, we're doing B-Movie. Um, one of the memeiest of movies. If you, like me, cannot believe we would do a movie this ridiculous, you should send us suggestions so we don't have to. We're putting together our schedule for May and June right now, so we definitely want your input. Let us know on Facebook and Twitter at Heart of Podness. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe. And if you write us a review, tell us what type of drink it is you'd like to scream about in a parking lot. <laughs> I am not drinking! drinking below. <laughs> you can always email us questions or movie suggestions at heartofpodness at gmail.com. All right, last question. What's the best piece of dating advice you got from Sideways? See if they'll read a thousand-page novel. If they will, you're in. I'm going to say the opposite don't make the person you want to date read your thousand page novel so different strokes different strokes for different folks there you go until next time I'm a ginger and I'm gay so between the two of us we know everything there is to know about romance bye Bye. Bye. (laughs) caviar Myanmar mid-sized car you don't have to be popular find out who your true friends are in the boudoir. In the boudoir. It went the voice, bro. Call it again. Call, call it again. Pina Noir. <laughs> Smoke a cigar.